coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Teach a Man to Catfish, how hired customer service reps targeted the love struck during the pandemic. Next up, supply chain of events, Eclipsium's detection of backdoor-like behavior within gigabyte systems. And finally, our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 156, recorded on June 5th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, up to the gills and fishing, LaBelle, with me co-host Taylor, motherboard, more like, oh, brotherboard, Wilkes Pierce, and last but certainly, certainly not least, our special guest, Kelly, love does cost a thing, Malloy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good afternoon. Um, it's really great to have you all back here and to be back here. It's been it's been a moment. And Callie's just been holding down more than holding down the fort. It's Callie's fort now. And I'm lucky to be in the fort. Thanks for having me back here to be with with y'all nice people. I've had all these unused puns. I've just been storing up like energy, like a squirrel in winter with her nuts and trees. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so how are you two doing? Uh, how are you doing today? What's what's good? What's going on? Oh, uh, it's just another great Monday to, to be here talking about uh, security problems. <laughs> was that uh, uh, sarcasm? Great Monday, or was that a lesson no. in oxymoronic statements? No sarcasm. Any Monday that I get to talk to you, Kelsey, is a great Monday. <laughs> oh, stop it. Um, the, hearing people say whether or not they're sarcastic, if they say they're not being sarcastic, it always sounds sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. I never no. believe it. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's this incredible musician. His name's John Craigie. Um, and somebody that used to work at Domain Tools, Karen Kuhar, used to love John. And um, so a lot of us used to go to his shows and for her daughter's graduation, he actually did like a backyard event. And he, he tells these like comedy bits. He's a really funny guy before he goes and he plays a song. And one of his stories was about, he was at this festival and people kept saying, we've, um, we've never had someone like you at our festival before. And he's kind of like, this is, this is a little strange. Like I'm, I'm a folk singer. This seems pretty, pretty expected. And then he's being announced and they referred to him as a comedian. And he was just talking about how once somebody has called you a comedian, every time you tell somebody that you are in fact not a comedian, they, they just think it's part of the bit. Like you never, he said that it didn't yeah, go very well. <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nod. I get it. You're not a comedian. Yeah. I see. It's, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. He did a better job telling it, um, which makes him more of a comedian, I suppose. But anyway, I just always think about that. Um, Annie Hoosier, let's, let's talk badness on a Monday. So our first article here is teach a man to catfish. So in a deceptive bait and switch, uh, pun absolutely intended, a customer service gig turned into a deceptive catfishing scheme, targeting those looking for companionship during the pandemic. So Kelly, this story begins with a person during the pandemic who needed a job 
and he found a remote position with VDesk out of Cyprus. Uh, what, you know, what is VDesk? Were there signs that this company could could not be trusted? So VDesk does what a lot of companies do, and they are a third-party procurer, I guess you'd say, for customer service people. So people who take calls at home, people who, um, you know, maybe make your hotel reservation or help you order things over the internet, um, you know, the customer service lines, um, they provide people who can do that kind of at-home work. Um, VDesk also had a side business in procuring people who, quote-unquote, moderated dating sites. What a fascinating, (laughs) what a fascinating job (laughs) that would be. Interesting. Okay, so did did they come across as pretty credible? Would you say this this V desk? So, if you knew who they were, and if I guess if you had done some real digging, you probably would have been skeptical. But at first glance, they look like the ads that are placed in places like, uh, you know, I don't want to say the name, but online job sites and. Craigslist and places like that every day. If you saw the ad, it would not have raised any alarms. You would not have said, oh, well, that's obviously scammy. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. So this, this job title was freelance customer support representative. But in the interview, uh, this particular person was asked if he could moderate dating websites, as Kelly had mentioned. That turned into creating fake personas to, to chat up customers in order to get money from dating hopefuls. So do we know if these are the dating sites we'd be familiar with? Or is this a situation where someone would need to be, say, domain savvy? Generally, they would not be ones that have huge reach. But again, there wasn't anything obvious about them that made them look scammy. The thing that they do have in common with a Tinder is that you, if you wanted to chat, you had to pay two euros per message fascinating yeah to get a to get a message back from your prospect so to speak oh to get the message back right you send it but you had to pay for the response right exactly interesting it was in some places in life i'd love that gate and i'd be like you know what (laughs) this is my opt-out of of hearing back what you were going to say right (laughs) Oh, that's really interesting. So what I'm hearing from you, Kelly, so far is it doesn't really sound like unless you are well attuned and you have your security wits about you, you're probably not seeing any red flags. Um, And there's maybe some more unique low reach dating sites, but that's kind of where we're at. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. So uh, moving along here, the virtuals, as they call the online personas, are also very detailed. It's not obvious that you're talking to a fake person with the amount of detail they provide. So what are your thoughts on the direction um, AI is headed and how being able to create fake photos and even videos to go along with these, these profiles will impact scams? Well, so in this case, if you Googled the headshots that went with the accounts, they almost all came from porn sites. Um, so, uh, you know, you're kind of when you're doing that, you're kind of 
casting aspersions on porn sites and that's not my intent they're just a widely available source of photos um but i think with ai when you can make composite people i think that that will make them harder to harder to detect because you won't be able to google the face anymore and find a match on the internet it will look unique oh interesting you can't use tin eye right exactly <laughs> You know, you know uh, uh, Kelly, Kelly and I, uh, who oftentimes host this podcast, were talking about this offline in the Manti Teo documentary that came out, I think, last year, maybe. And a big piece of that to build legitimacy around the catfisher was a photo with them holding today's date in the newspaper. Um, and so that's that's one of the first things that came to mind, just that story that many people are familiar with, uh, with with everything that's been going around from a photo AI perspective. I don't know if uh, people saw drop last week. I think Adobe Creative Suite um, implemented some new AI features that were pretty, the barriers to entry are fairly low if you're a subscriber to create such photos. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a huge commitment in terms of time or equipment. It's not like you have access to a supercomputer or something to make this happen. It's It's pretty easy at this point. So there's no reason not to create you know, half a dozen or, you know, dozens and dozen. Which is really interesting when we talk about, as defenders, we want to make it as expensive as possible for attackers to be successful, right? Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, but if it's really expensive to get popped, and we're talking about catfishing in this context, then uh, the ROI decision kind of works in your favor. So it's um, disconcerting to see this kind of playing out, I guess in this context. Um, but I'm just, I'm kind of curious, Kelly, are there any mitigations to this? How can people understand what's reputable for providing their deeply personal information to these types of sites? So the thing that I would be worried about or the thing that I would do is I would stay with a reputable site and while it's one thing to pay, you know, your nine ninety five a month, your twelve ninety five a month to get access to the site as a whole, if exchanging messages has a per message cost, that's a strong sign that it's a scam. It's a scam. Yeah, and I, I skipped a really important question here, Kelly. Um, I got excited about talking about the, the whole defenders thing. But um, these customer service reps that we're referencing are collecting, of course, personal data about their victims through these chats, like their kids' names, if they go to therapy or any vacations or plans they may have. These are like ringing the alarm bells for social engineering. And we don't really know what happens with these data points or this personal information that's being shared. Do you just have any you know, speculation, either yourself or Taylor, on this matter? Well, if I had to guess, that's probably being sold to marketers. Um, well, I say marketers, I mean spammers, um, people who are who are scamming and somehow to so they can better tailor their. Interesting, Taylor. Do you have any any uh, hypotheses here? You know, I wouldn't uh, necessarily judge them as great custodians of personal data, so. <laughs> 
uh, getting sold off to the highest bidder probably makes the most sense here. But at $2 a message. Yeah, right. As long as, oh, hey, look, if I can get a cut. That's where they get you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with all this in mind, let's do our hoodie rating. And for those who are tuning in for the first time or have forgotten, our hoodie rating is from zero to 10 hoodies playing off the cliche of a defender in a hoodie. You know, how many uh, defenders would it take kind of fix this problem? 10 is, it's extremely bad. The, The roof's on fire and zeros is more entertainment or neutral. So, uh, Kelly, go ahead. I would say uh, I would give it probably five out of ten because the damage done to some of these people was great. In the article, they mentioned that some people were paying ten, twelve thousand dollars a year to chat with the, their their partner, their connect, um, their connection. But if you are smart and stay on widely known reputable dating sites and don't pay money to get messages, you should generally be okay. Fair enough. Taylor, do you have any thoughts you'd like to add in here? Yeah, you know, I put it from like the Defender Toolkit side of things. Like it's fairly low, personal impact, super high. uh, When you look at the the value extracted from the victims, right? But, you know, maybe through we'll like just over three hoodies, like uh, you know, three hoodies and then a sleeve of a hoodie. And um, yeah, I, mean, I guess the you know thing that does make this uh, like it's going to be very easy to scale this out going forward. Um, you know, as it is with any type of uh, you know anonymous or semi-anonymous interpersonal communication on the internet. Now, Taylor, I don't have my five-star notebook to do the conversion rate uh-huh. of backwards from <laughs> yeah. pieces. Yeah, 3.27. Oh, okay. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. I think that's changed slightly. Um, I think, you know. <laughs> inflation. I, yeah, you keep up with hoodie inflation, so I, I respect it. I know you're on top of it. Um, cool. You always, you always are, you're the king of the non-integer hoodie. <laughs> that's for sure your thing. You're kind of like the Bill Belichick here. Of our, uh, <laughs> we'll yeah, bring I'm him kind in. Of a, a, a DIY hoodie. DIY hoodie. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome, perfect. We will be back in just a moment for our second topic of today, which is supply chain of events. Stick with us, replenish your your pun reservoir, and we'll be right back here with breaking badness. Heyo, security nerds, and obviously that's a compliment. We all on the Breaking Badness crew certainly consider ourselves proud security nerds. If you're enjoying this show, why not take a moment to share it with a friend or 20? And if you have another moment, a review and rating will really help us spread the 10 chocolate chip goodie love all over the series of tubes. I'm not sure that sounded right. Well, anyway, we couldn't do this without you, our audience. We're so glad you're here. And now... Back to the show. Hello, hello. Moving onwards and upwards, we're back for our second article, which is supply chain of events. So Eclipsium shares details of backdoor-like behavior found in gigabyte systems, along with the risk and impact 
uh, as well as further recommendations. And just a quick shout out here to our friends at uh, Eclipsium. Uh, some some really interesting research here. And Taylor, I know you surfaced this. Let's start with who Gigabyte is for those who are not familiar. Yeah, Gigabyte is a mainboard manufacturer, motherboard manufacturer, uh, another kind of computer parts manufacturer. I think they they might also do graphics cards with the references from NVIDIA or something. You know, there's, they do a few other things, but uh, in general, they're known for motherboards or mainboards. Has, have we ever, it's kind of like so funny what we gender as a society. Like, why <laughs> is it a motherboard? Because like moms always find everything. Like if a kid loses something, like go find mom, mom will find it. Why is yeah. it the motherboard? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it was. Is people kept losing all their RAM dims and they kept losing <laughs> all of their AGP ports and all. And then, yeah. <laughs> mom will find it. Yeah. You well, go. you could also call it mainboard too. So mainboard, mainboard. either one. Um, okay. But, you know, I, I think motherboard's kind of stuck a little bit <laughs> in the parlance of our times. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they target the gaming market uh, quite a bit. So they're generally in folks who are building their own PCs uh, for this type of thing. So huh. it's not like you're going to see them in like a, in a well, maybe maybe you'll see them in their browsing environment, but they're not sitting in a bunch of server racks in AWS or anything like that. Gotcha. Okay. And, and this article really details that the detections were made by heuristic detection methods. Mm-hmm. which play an important role in detecting new threats. Can you expand on that? Maybe give some background here for the folks listening in. Um, yeah, it means they looked at it real hard and then they saw it do something weird. So they looked into it a little more. <laughs> <laughs> well, summer. <summarized. laughs> uh, you know, it's looking for abnormalities. Um, you know, in this case, maybe they like uh, hooked up Wireshark or something and listened to it, try to reach out somewhere. Um, this is, you know, the Eclipsium folks have been tracking, um, you know, kind of issues with uh, UEFI or like the, the, like the boot process um, in, for a while now. So, um, you know, they, they found some issues, some kind of issues with how Windows uh, is able to um, kind of run things at boot securely. Um, kind of a while ago. And this seems to be a bit, of, a bit of an offshoot of that. So my guess is that the things that they learned hunting for those initial issues, they are now able to hone them and look at the different manufacturers um, very closely. Although in this case, you know, Gigabyte, uh, they're doing some some silly things with, with their updater service. Hey, Taylor, do you know what podiatrists and IT folks have in common? I don't. They know how to reboot. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was going to say they're always footing the bill. I don't know. I was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but I'm not. <laughs> I warned everyone. I warned you this would come. Um, <laughs> so from Taylor, what you're describing, how does uh, the back door operate and does this specific one pose more risk? than others that we've seen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, this looks like maybe just a normal updater service uh, that Gigabyte might have to try and patch uh, a motherboard. So, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you might want to be able to patch these things after the fact, maybe to support 
um, newer processors or, um, you know, again, security holes might be another good reason for it or supporting, um, you know, other devices that may maybe weren't around when you first wrote, uh, read the firmware for it. So, um, you know, you have the concept of updating this. Uh, then you also have this concept within Windows of, uh, you know, trying to protect the boot. Uh, layer. So in Windows 8 and beyond, um, you know, you, you kind of have this way of signing things to theoretically make it trickier to help close some of these gaps. Um, but, in, you know, in actuality, you end up kind of pushing pushing the problem to different places. So this happens to be kind of one of those places where the, uh, the, like the updater service in this case uh, is looking for, it basically creates a file and it looks in three places for a file. One of them is just an HTTP connection to a gigabyte site. The other one is then the HTTPS connection to that gigabyte site, which they apparently don't really do a great job of checking this, or didn't do a great job of checking for signatures on um, for the secure part of HTTP. Uh, and then also just local <clears throat> like a, a, a local storage. So if you were going to try to locally update a, a lot of machines at the same time, you might point them all to the local store. And so it kind of looks in these three spots. If it finds something, it'll try and pull it in and essentially run it um, or could potentially run it in a very secure part of the uh, kind of OS slash boot process. Interesting. Um, and I am curious because I know Eclipseum included some key findings. What were their, their takeaways really from this process? You know, I think from their point of it, they say, Hey, this is, if you're a checking for just an HTTP connection, then you could be man in the middle attacked, uh, which, you know, that's very true. And also if you're not, uh, checking for certificates, right. Then it doesn't even matter if you're really trying to get to the secure side of things, uh, and it didn't look like the the file that was going to be brought in was really signed in a way that was, you know, uh, you know, there were just some some issues with the way that this updater uh, had been implemented on the Gigabyte side. So to Gigabyte's credit, they have patched this and this does appear to be for it's like 270 plus different models because uh, they make a lot of different motherboards. Uh, and so there's, you know, pretty they, they patched it pretty quickly and added in some additional verification on the the side. But then you're going to have this kind of whole host of machines out there that, you know, may or may not ever get this update. Yeah. And with that in mind, what is the like the risk, given what you just shared about Gigabyte's patches being available uh, for for organizations, especially ones that were impacted um, or exposed to from this information? You know, it's kind of important to note that there's no, you know, they didn't publish a POC. None of this stuff was observed in the wild. So they're kind of just coming out and saying, hey, we've found this um, interesting wrinkle in the way that these these motherboards uh, can update themselves. Right. So um, I think that for now, it looks like this is something that the vendor has been able to get proactive about and get patches out there on it. Um you know, in terms of how it could be utilized, I mean, again, it's it's getting Windows to run stuff at a really, uh, you know, at a high at a low level of security, right? So very, um, you know, like very, it inherits a lot of security properties uh, towards the rest of the system if you can kind of load something in at this point. So um, it's certainly something to be concerned about. 
Yeah, and so with that, I'm kind of like hearing a lukewarm level of concern. You know, what mitigations are recommended and has Gigabyte really provided any additional information that that folks should take into account? There's a few, I uh, think. So first off, Gigabit, Gigabyte also, they, you know, they, they patched, so you can go grab the patches right away. So if you're concerned from that angle, you can do that. Um, there's also some things you can do on the Windows side to make some files read-only so that, it, it you know, this couldn't be exploited as well. So there's some other mitigations at the OS level uh, that could be taken if you were really, really uh, paranoid beyond the Gigabyte thing. Um, yeah, you know, I think that that would be your best bet for now. Okay, well, Taylor, I think we're really leading very nicely into the hoodie ratings here. Yeah. What you know? What's uh, what's your spidey sense on this one here? And then we'll go over to you, Kelly. Uh, you know, I think kind of kind of depends on whether you own a gigabyte motherboard or not. I suppose. <laughs> uh, although, like, I kind of suspect that this is, um, you know, this could be true for other vendors as well. Um, you know, just maybe it hasn't been. Eclipse hasn't heuristically observed it yet because <laughs> uh, it does seem to be, uh, you know, it also has something to do with the way that the the OS is interacting here as well. So, um, you know, I all in all, I think it's probably like, I'd give it like four and a half hoodies. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Crop top hoodie. <laughs> no, no Decker hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kelly, over to you. What are your thoughts here? I think it's certainly a scary precedent to set, but I think the actual impact of it is not that great. So I probably would be about the same, probably about four. Four hoodies. I'd say this is a pretty lukewarm week. There's no like um, how like lights in the background, no, no disconcerting alarm bells going off. Uh, but certainly interesting topics here of conversation. So thank you both for for sharing and diving into these. Um, as usual, we've included the links to the original sources in the show notes on the Domain Tools website. And we're actually going to come back in just a second. We're going to play our fun, fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. Um, it's, it's our vent and appreciation gratitude session. So stick with us and we will be right back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is where we give Tom Hanks to the security industry um, because we mentioned our um, our promoter, Bill Belichick, will also mention our friend Tom Hanks, um, a big believer in breaking badness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to get the letter one day from his people to be like, can you, can, can you stop that? <laughs> I'll be like, like, we've made it. It would be written on a typewriter. Oh, yeah. We'll have to send them a fancy typewriter and get them up. There we go. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, we're going to play Gold Guidance Agreements. And this is really, it's like I said, it's a chance to vent and it's a chance to share sort of um, some wonderful things you've seen that might be helpful to share with others and just just things that you're kind of grateful for that you've seen are positive um, in the space, whether you're on Mastodon or something like that. And 
uncovered, uncovered something funnier, funnier entertaining. This is kind of where we share them. So, Kelly, I'm going to start with you. Um, if you want to provide your gold, your guidance, and a grievance. So I will give you gold that is not actually useful. Um, but there is a website called Patatap. And it is basically a drum machine on the internet. And if you are cranky or having a bad day, five minutes with the drum machine, like totally, at least for me, changes my mood around. It's awesome. Um, and then for guidance, this week I met Mog in Ireland, which is a messaging abuse, anti-abuse conference. Um, and I've been coming to this for, oh gosh, 15 years or so and I have old friends from this meeting and we see each other every year and I was thinking about this today the thing that makes this work is that we may change jobs we may do different things but within the community we trust each other and so I think if you want to be in cybersecurity, the best thing you can be before you get a specialty in whatever is to start from the place of being a trustworthy person so that's my that's my guidance to all you young people out there and then um, for my grievance I am about ready to get rid of my phone so I never get another piece of SMS spam if I, oh, if I could throw it out the yeah. window and only break SMS selectively, I would. It's it's just driving it's me nuts. Be- has it been... It's crazy. People, I don't know if you're getting the same kind of hooks. I feel like I've seen a lot of, like... I got one the other week that was like, happy hump day. And I feel like they're just playing that whole, you know, lot, don't have this number kind of... Yeah. Scam shenanigans. I got one saying, hey, clean the house. Larissa's coming over. Larissa is pretty pretentious. So it's, you know, it's good advice. All right. She'll explain it all. (laughs) It was a very helpful heads up. Okay. (laughs) That's interesting. Oh man. Yeah. Those are deeply frustrating. And it's so fun that you're, you're in mock. So where are you calling in from? Uh, Kelly? Dublin, Dublin, Ireland, Dublin. And it's very fun. It, that whole thing about like rainy and cold, it's 70 degrees and brilliantly sunny today. So I think that's oh. all a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so lovely. It's oh, you have to tell us how the crack is down there. <laughs> it's pretty good. <That's>, um, <laughs> and uh, for those who are not familiar, we're talking about the C R A I C. It's Gaelic, I believe. I would assume the crack. What's up? I don't know if people even use that anymore. Behind the times in Ireland, um, <laughs> they do. Well, there you go. Good, good. <laughs> well, slancha. Thank you. <laughs> oh, be safe out there. Thanks for that. I'm definitely. I've already pulled up patatap.com um that's gonna be fun <laughs> trouble for later uh taylor over to you what's your gold guidance agreements for the week oh hmm. gold gold uh you know 
if you'll, if anyone will recall when uh, our friends at Meta went after Freenom, the registrar that had all those CCTLDs, uh, tons of abuse. Uh, well, one of the countries of those CCTLDs has decided to pull back uh, Freenom from doing any registrations in their zone. And that's uh, Gabon. So Gabon uh, has decided to take over .ga and they're going to run it themselves or you know, direct someone else to run it for them who will uh, hopefully manage it in a manner that is uh, more fit with uh, w- with the way we want to work on the internet. So without phishing and, and all that other you know, fun malware stuff. Um, so that's my goal is that uh, m- maybe things are getting better. <laughs> um, let's see. Guidance. Uh, update your gigabyte motherboards. There's this patch just came out. Um grievances uh google changed the icon on their authenticator app and it's driving me up a wall um and that's it we were talking about that that today yeah everybody hates that (laughs) yeah stop stop (laughs) messing with the icons please those marketing people i only have so much bandwidth for icons and it's full it's all and now it looks too much like slack (laughs) It looks exactly Ooh. like Slack. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I'm mad about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those are great. That was a good grievance. You're not alone, You're not alone Taylor. Good You're not alone scene. in this. <laughs> gosh. Yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole um, red, blue, yellow, green iconography is tough to differentiate in these days. It's, it's a lot of control. Little out of control. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you both for for being on the podcast today. Um, especially, you know, we've got we've got Dublin, Ireland, we've got Seattle, Washington, and Columbus, Ooh. Ohio. So we're spanning a good chunk here, for the most part. So from wherever you're tuning in, someone was at one point close to you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you both. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. We'll, of course, be back for more Breaking Badness. Special thanks to Callie, as usual. She's always making this happen here on the back end. And uh, see you out there. Be safe in cyberspace. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.